Uh, welcome everybody to the Founders on Fire podcast from the Tech Trailblazers. I'm Rose Ross. I'm the Chief Trailblazer and founder of the Trailblazers. And I'm delighted to welcome, yet again, um, Nathan Burke, the CMO of Axonius, who were our runners-up in the Security Trailblazers this year. So welcome, Nathan. Thank you for having me. Again. Again. <laughs> I think we will name this the New York, New York So Good They Recorded It Twice episode. The very well-prepared episode. Yeah, well, you know, dress rehearsal and everything yesterday. So no That's excuses. Right. Well, welcome again. Um, and obviously there are a few things that we would like to, I'd like to run through with you. Um, so if we can kick that off with really just a description about Axonius, what it's all about, and um, you know where you fit in the cyber landscape. Sure, yeah, happy to. So we we say that what we do is cybersecurity asset management, and and I think we also qualify that by saying that asset management is kind of like the least sexy part of cybersecurity. And in fact, we've called ourselves the the Toyota Camry of cybersecurity. And, and what we mean is. There's a lot of really cool, uh, high-tech, sci-fi technologies out there in cybersecurity. And in fact, when you think of the word cybersecurity, you're probably thinking of like the matrix and all, all of those like really cool technologies. And what we do is something very, very simple. And we're trying to solve a problem that's been around for like 30 years. And that's asset management. And the idea is, even though it's 2020 and we have these really cool tools, companies out there are still struggling with understanding what they have. So what kind of devices, what kind of um, cloud instances and what users they have, much less how to secure them. So our whole idea is you've already got all the information about all your devices and your users. So why not just grab all that information from all the different sources, correlate it together to show you exactly what you have so then you can tell whether or not everything is secure. So we do something really, really simple, um, but it's very foundational and I think it's part of any security program, if you're going to secure something, you better know what you have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think as you described it previously, the unsexy part of cybersecurity. Yep. Yeah, cool. Um, so let's let's look forward because I mean, obviously, we know each other from your your previous existences, and you um, had one of your previous companies, Hexadite, which was acquired by Microsoft, um, that also found success with us. Um, you know, you're, you're a startup veteran, I think. Now you're saying your third cybersecurity startup now with Axonius. What would you say are key moments in your journey as a startup? And what, do you, what have you found that's particularly challenging or that you're particularly proud of? I'm sure actually you, you can answer both of those, which one has been challenging and, and what you're proud of. Yeah, sure. So like you said, this is my, this is my third cybersecurity startup um, and my fifth overall startup. So I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. And, and every time I do it again, I start from scratch and I'm saying, why did I do this? But I love it. And uh, I think the easy one to say about what I'm particularly proud of is, is winning the, uh, the RSA Innovation Sandbox with Exonius last year. Mm. Um, we've talked about well, this. Oh, yeah, behind winning the tech, you know, coming second in the tech trailblazers, that, you know, that, that kind of... <laughs> right 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 yeah second place was uh was good um but yes yeah so uh, you know i think the takeaway there is and um 
I think this is important is that although it seems like it's just a yeah. vanity thing, um, awards and recognition really, really matter. And, and um, just to back to the innovation sandbox, I'll, I'll tell the quick story of it. So if, for those of you that don't know, uh, the RSA Innovation Sandbox is kind of the top award for startups in cybersecurity. They award the most innovative cybersecurity startup of the year. And, and the RSA conference, there's like, what, 40,000, 50,000 people there. Each year, they pick 10 companies. Those 10 companies have to go on stage and give their best three-minute pitch to a room full of a few thousand people and um, a panel of, of experts as judges. So you give a three-minute pitch. It can't go over by a second. Um, so 10 companies give their three-minute pitch. They pick two finalists, and then they pick a winner. And so to do this, you can, as you can imagine, there's a tremendous amount of preparation involved. And so we found out that, actually, I'm going to back up. So I tried to get into the Innovation Sandbox when I was at Hexadite, didn't get in. I tried my first year at Exonius, didn't get in. So it took a few times to get in. And then in 2019, we were, we were named one of the 10 finalists. So we go through all of the preparation and building our best three minute pitch and rehearsing it over and over and over again. And I get to RSA a day early because I've got to set up the booth and make sure everything's fine. And I get a call at midnight from our CEO who was the one that was supposed to give the pitch saying, we just had a snowstorm in New York and my flight's canceled. You're going to have to do it. Um, no so, pressure there for Nathan. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Uh, luckily, I was the one that kind of put the, the deck together and, and rehearsed the pitch with him. So I just had to change it a little bit to, to make it more my own. But uh, then we gave the pitch. We were named a finalist. And it was between us and a company that does homomorphic encryption. So think about that. The, the unsexy startup versus someone doing something that is like right out of a, a sci-fi movie. And they picked us as the winner. And man, you could see like that moment, you could watch my knees buckle when they named Exonius the winner. And, and that really changed everything for us because from that moment on, we went from someone that no one had ever heard of to getting calls from Fortune 500 companies saying, I need you to meet with us right now and give us a demo, drop everything. And I, in fact, kicked out our advisory board from our meeting room and said, we've got to go meet with this customer. And then for the first time and probably the only time in my career, I had our sales leader say, I can't keep up with the volume of leads. You've got to stop this. I actually marked that on my calendar. Um, and so that was like by far the moment I was, I was most proud of. Um, just watching that all come together, all the preparation, and then seeing the, the customers come to us. Um, overwhelming a sales team is, is the goal of any marketer, right? Um, because so they I, never say there's too many leads. They, they never, never say that. Never say that. Never right? say that. That's yeah. like... That is definitely a red letter day. So I hope you phone him up a, a year later and go, remember this time last year? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think that's the high point. And then the, you know, the, the other side of that, the challenges, um, yeah, there've been a lot of them. Um, I think one of the things that was a big challenge in my last two cybersecurity startups is that we were way ahead of the market. So my first one was uh, a company called CloudLock that, that Cisco bought. We were one of like the first CASB solutions before CASB was a category. Mm. And I, I remember standing at a Gartner booth at the um, Security and Risk Symposium and explaining what we were doing and protecting data in the cloud. And I, I like very vividly remember people walking up and saying, wait a minute, put my data in the cloud? Are you kidding me? I'll never, ever do that. 
And so it was just, you know, way ahead and it felt like pushing a rock uphill. And then my last one, Hexadite, we were a sore solution before that was a category. And only the more sophisticated companies out there want to automate their incident response and trying to get through alerts. And so that was the same thing. We were, we were way ahead of it. So it was a lot of evangelizing and a lot of really trying to get people to buy the fact that this was a problem that was worth solving. And so that was hard. And, and this one's very different, but I think in every case, there's, there's big challenges. Um, in this, this one right now at Exonius, it's kind of nice because everyone identifies with the problem. The challenge here is letting them know and making them believe that there is a real solution since they've been sold mm. potential solutions for 20 years. So mm. in, in every one of those cases, there's unique challenges. Nothing's easy. Well, it's good to have a challenge, I find. Oh, of course. And you just have to arise to it. So what words of encouragement would you give to a company who's weighing up whether to enter the tech trailblazers? Yeah. So again, I think words and recognition, it's really important. And the reason why, let's just take it from the most basic level. There are thousands of, of companies out there. Um, and I'll like 15,000 cybersecurity if you look at something like yeah, that. Yeah, even let's just take it from the cybersecurity perspective. Forget mm -hmm. about like the broader audience, right? Where like I, I did the math one year and I wish I had done it today, but I, I looked at it and the number of, of companies exhibiting at something like an RSA mm. make it physically impossible for every person there to go visit each booth even for a minute. There's just not mm. enough time to do it, right? There, so it, that's just kind well, of- Even a, in, the, in the startup set zone, there's over 100. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the idea is that all of these, there's just so many of them. And if you just walk through the booths, it's, it's all competing messages. Everyone says they prevent everything, then they detect everything, then they remediate everything, which by the way, you can't do all three things are kind of at odds, right? But with a crowded market with a lot of noise, just imagine being on the other end and being someone that's looking for a solution. You just don't know where to turn. You can't figure out who to believe, right? So it's just, it's, it's also the fact that any marketer can say anything about what they do. Um, without any proximity to truth. And one of the ways that you have some filter criteria as an end user looking for solutions mm. is that idea of social proof, right? It's things like customer testimonials, someone that's willing to put their name behind a product. And then there's also things like industry awards. And, and I think it's really, really important because everyone is just trying to filter out some number of solutions that they're not going to look at. There's just not enough time in the day to look at everything. So you look at things like uh, all of the awards and the recognition that a company has, it's really important. And especially when you're just coming out of that, that not even stealth mode, but just mm -hmm. no one knows about you yet. So awards, recognition, customers, anyone that's talking about you that isn't you is incredibly important. And we've done a lot of awards and it's been really valuable to us. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's going to change? I mean, we, we feel that Startups up sort of cybersecurity or otherwise are going to be facing a very difficult six months. Obviously, some of those will fall by the wayside, but you know, there, there is a natural fallout from that environment. Uh, but I would say that cybersecurity is going to be the healthier of the areas in enterprise technology. I think there are going to be some great winners in consumer tech and a lot of losers in consumer tech from a startup perspective. Yeah. But I mean, do you see your your strategy changing around entering awards or do you think this is a, a, the better time now where you're facing 
even more challenges potentially. Yeah, I don't see it changing. I think we'll still do them. Um, and one thing I, I didn't mention that I think I should is mm. even if you don't win, I think it's a great forcing function to sharpen your message. Because mm. a lot of these, they have requirements that are like, you can only do a three minute pitch or you only have this many um, characters in your description. I think mm. it's a great exercise anyway, because it's really easy as a marketer to just throw the kitchen sink at anything and just say, here's all of the things we do. But yeah. it forces you to really figure out what's important and what makes you different. And even if you're, you're never going to win anything and you come away with a way of talking about yourself, you know, the idea of the elevator pitch or just something that's really succinct, that's mm -hmm. valuable in itself. And, and yeah. I would say do it anyway, because that's the other thing is like, we're all so busy all the time anyway. You yeah. never get to that. You'll, you'll never say, stop everything on the lead generation front and let's revise our message and try to get it more succinct and concise. Like no one's going to do that. But if you're trying to submit for something, now you have a reason to do it. And that's the trigger for spending the time and effort there. So even if you never win anything, it is absolutely valuable to, to go through that exercise. Mm. Well, certainly we've been looking at ways we can sharpen things and be more, you know, supportive because um, we'd always said, you know, it isn't just about getting an accolade per se. It's about getting, you know, getting your name in front of, you know, CISOs, CIOs, analysts, journalists, people who, you know, would not see you otherwise, who yeah. are influencers, you know, people like Stephen Foskett, you know, we've got. Kerry and Dave, who are both CISOs here in Europe, um, Stephen O'Donnell, who's also a CIO over here. So, you know, that you to have got to be shortlisted, you have had to have captured their imagination and impressed, you know, the people who are looking at your entry. Um, and, and moving forward, we're also looking how we can engage with the public more, as in, you know, the, the enterprise technology professionals. Um, outside of you know axonius's friendship circle so that we can sort of say look how you know these are interesting companies we'd love to you to look you know have a closer look and vote and hopefully then also engage with you in, if they think that what you're doing is of interest and of value to them which hopefully it will be right so yeah, so are there any tips you'd give? I mean, you've talked about looking at uh, honing your message. What other tips would you give companies who are entering the tech trailblazers or any other awards? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a really good question. And I've, I've thought a lot about this. I think one of the biggest hiccups and the biggest things uh, that we do as marketers, and I mentioned that a little bit before, is you know, we're living our product and we're living this day to day. And I feel like almost everyone thinks if I just had 10 minutes with everyone in the world and just told them everything this thing has, every feature, how awesome this is, um, then we'd have every customer in the world. And because of that, we end up just blurting out every feature and function of our product. And we don't think about the problem that it's solving. We don't think about how it's different from anything out there. We don't think about the people that are living the problem that we're trying to solve and how they think about it. And when you're coming up with any award submission or, or really anything that's aimed at someone that has never heard of you and may not be thinking about it in your terms, mm. it, I think it's one of those things where you have to think about your audience. And so 
when you're submitting for an award, you've got to think that the person that is reviewing that may yeah. not have any idea what incident response is or asset management really means or, or any of these things. So you really need to figure out how to say it in a way that makes it the trailer to the movie, right? And that's the way I think about it is you're not going to convince someone and you're not going to educate them enough so that they can actually do a demo of your product in an award submission. So what you want to do is just come up with something that, that tells the story about why there's a problem, what is different about the way that you're approaching it, and how this stands out from the thousands of other startups up out there or other companies out there that are saying the same thing. So one of the things that we did, and, and I mentioned it earlier when we were doing the um, Innovation Sandbox, is talking about the least sexy problem in cybersecurity and, and the, the Toyota Camry of cybersecurity. And these were conscious decisions, not just to be cute, but you need to have something that sticks in someone's mind. And, and after we won the Innovation Sandbox, I had people like walking by saying like, oh yeah, you guys are the unsexy guys. I was totally fine with that because other than that, it would have been no recognition whatsoever. So I think having something that sticks out in their mind, making a, a claim that you can support, but at least being a little bit bold is really, really important, not interesting. You have to do something that stands out. And I don't mean do some kind of like, marketing gimmick or, or something that is just out there for the sake of being out there. But I think yeah. it's okay to make a bold claim if you can support it. And you have to have something that sticks in their mind or else you'll be forgotten just like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Stand out from the crowd. And it's a pretty crowded place with 15,000 startups, you know, aside from what, you know, the, the bigger vendors are doing. So um, yeah, good stuff. Now, obviously we're in a very, as the Chinese say, interesting time at the moment. Um, perhaps more challenging than any of us have experienced in our work lives. Um, what advice in general would you give to startups who are looking to not just survive, but thrive in this economic climate? I'm going to give an answer and then I'm going to give a reason why I want to have a little caveat there. So my, okay. my answer is experiment. So what better time than right now to try new things? So when I was thinking about it, every marketer out there, because there are no events right now and because mm -hmm. there are no face-to-face -face meetings, everyone is just saying double down on digital, right? And do mm -hmm. more ads and do more webinars and do more of those mm -hmm. things. And, and that's fine and you should, but that's what everybody else is doing too. And if you look at your inbox, you'll get tons of invites to webinars and there's more LinkedIn ads than ever before. So everyone's doing the same thing. So how do you stand out? How are you different? And I kind of re reversed engineered something and had an idea that I wanted to try. And my thought was everyone is doing all of these um, campaigns that requires end users or viewers or whatever you want to call them to sign up for something, to register, mm -hmm. to give their information in exchange for viewing content. Mm -hmm. And my thought was, what if, what if we did exactly the opposite of that? So just giving the, the example through Exonius, we have a lot of people that, go to our webinar, sign up for our content, download stuff, but they're not necessarily ready to say, I want a demo. And to me, I want a demo means I'm willing to get on a call with a salesperson and get a ton of emails from people like me and hounding me all day long. So the bar is pretty high there. I better be pretty ready to buy before I'm ready to do that. All of these other people have indicated some interest in Exonius, but they're probably not ready yet. They haven't seen the value enough to say, all right, get me on a call with a salesperson. I want to see the product. So mm -hmm. I came up with this idea of 
what if we did what I was calling an invisible webinar? And it's important that I call that, uh, that I'll get back to it. So I, unfortunately, I know the punchline here. Yeah. So um, I'm talking already. You can probably see where this is going. And uh, so the idea was, instead of having anyone register, we just promoted this webinar that was going to be uh, a live broadcast uh, and just the same thing we would do on a sales demo, except I'm just doing the full on demo. Anybody can see it without having to register. They just go to a page on our site. We embedded the live webinar. Anyone can see it. Anyone can chat with us anonymously. We don't know who is on the other end. And the call to action is, if I convinced you that there's enough value here, sign up for a real demo. Mm. So went through it. Uh, it's a little bit complicated because you have to do a Zoom webinar, which then broadcasts to YouTube live and then YouTube live is embedded on your site. So a little bit complicated, but we ran through it, practiced it, even recorded it. I swear I did this at least 15 times, no joke. And I was as prepared as I could possibly be. And then the day of the webinar, I sign in early. I do the same process I've done 15 times. And for whatever reason, right then and there, when we were going to, about to go live, it just didn't work. I just got all of these errors from YouTube. And these were errors that were just like, your screen resolution is wrong. And I'm, I'm arguing with YouTube saying, no, it's not. There's nothing different. It's exactly the same. Uh, but that argument didn't really do anything because nothing worked. So I had to scramble and I had people, I had like hundreds, what was it, 200, something like that, people on the live thing just waiting for it to start. And then I started getting the emails saying, well, I guess this webinar is extra invisible. And so, <laughs> so we scrambled. And since I had the recording, I, I dumped the recording on that page and, and sent an email to everyone saying, you know, hey, hey, I'm sorry, it didn't work out. Here's the recording. You know, it serves me right for calling it the invisible webinar. And so that didn't work out. And then I just shot a quick video on LinkedIn kind of admitting my errors. Right? Um, but then the result of it, it was unbelievable. So I started getting email from people from companies that would have never emailed me or, or wanted to talk saying, Hey, I understand this happens. This it's technology and I'll check out the recording or some people even saying, I looked at the recording. I want a demo. So although it was a miserable failure operationally, it actually worked out. And in the end, I think people empathize and everyone's had technology problems, but it's just an example of something where, we want to be willing to try new things. And even if they don't work out, I'd still do it again and, and call me nuts, but I'm going to do it again. So I think that's just, that's a long way in giving an example of the idea of just try new things right now, because you'll never be able to do this again in an environment where all marketers are doing the same thing. The people that stand out are the ones that are going to get some kind of exponential returns. Mm. So this is a chance to um, do the survival of the fittest. Or yeah. And don't be afraid of it. Right? Yeah. Don't be afraid of it. And I, I think a lot of companies out there or marketing departments say we embrace failure or we want to try new things, but it's one thing to say that it's another to do it. Yeah. No, that, 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 yeah. Those are brave words said by people who aren't anticipating it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Cases, right. So that's cool. So anyway, we, we chatted before recording the podcast um uh, about some stuff that we might i wouldn't say it's collaboration but shall we say um we're gonna recycle something that you've been working on <laughs> and broaden out so could you tell everybody a little bit about cybersecurity cares which has come up kind of over the last couple of weeks and was a an initiative that you came up with um which was quite an interesting story in itself where, where this 
eureka moment happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is another example of experimenting on something and just trying new things, right? So a few weeks ago when, when all of this stuff started, and I won't name it by name, right? Um, I, it's the Voldemort thing. That's right, exactly. I woke up really early, like 4 a.m. On a, on a Saturday, and I just wrote a blog post. And it was just, I think I called it, cyber, things are going to be weird in cybersecurity for a while. And all I did is I, I brought together a bunch of resources. I'm thinking, now that everyone is, is working from home, why not grab a bunch of things like charities worth donating to, free tools that, again, in my world, cybersecurity, um, that cybersecurity professionals can use to help secure their newly remote workforce and um, finding free offers from vendors that have commercial products but are offering it free during this time with certain limitations. And even now that we have uh, people that are at home with their kids at home and, and we're now all homeschool teachers, like where can you find resources on how to teach your kids and, and where to find resources, um, like even webinars and all of these things. So I, I just grabbed these all together and put it in a blog post and I didn't really think much of it. And I posted on LinkedIn and it just blew up. Um, there was, I think, over 10,000 views of it. And wow. it just, on a weekend. And, you know, I, I couldn't believe that. And then on that Monday, during my, my team meeting, I said to my team, what can we do to make this bigger and better and not just about Exonius? Like, I, I, I think having something that's not just on the Exonius site is going to be a, an awful lot better. And so we came up with this idea of cybersecuritycares.org and we built a site in about a week and a half that just does that, that grabs all of these resources that can help cybersecurity professionals that are now at home trying to secure their remote workforce, that are now ad hoc um, homeschool teachers and people just look, looking to learn. And so we put all these resources together and once we launched it, we allowed anyone that, that shows up to the site to either submit things like news stories, any offers that their company has for, for people during this time, um, free tools, any online events, anything like that. And we're just putting it together at a site. And the idea is it's just to be helpful and just to be valuable and nothing other than that. I mean, you have to hunt around to find any mention of Exonius whatsoever. And the idea is we just wanna put together something that's useful. And, um, and we've got some pretty good response out of it. And uh, a lot of people are, are submitting resources there too. And so the idea mm -hmm. is to uh, try to bring that to a, a larger audience through what you're doing as well. Yeah, cool. Well, you've inspired us to kind of broaden that somewhat to the, the wider tech trailblazing community um, and look at what you know, your alumni are offering, other startups and also bigger players because we don't want to make them feel that they can't play with the startups as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the Tech Trailblazers resources will be hopefully going live very soon. Um, if not, hopefully, when, depending on when people are listening, will already be live. So um, yeah, so this is, you know, it's a tough time, but I think we all need to be resourceful and think about the community element of it, which, you know, is it, I've always felt cybersecurity has been quite a you know, a, a very open community in many ways, which I always found very interesting to begin with, that all of these, you know, very high profile cybersecurity individuals, you know, were on Twitter and chatting about all sorts of, you know, interesting stuff. You go, oh, this is not what I would expect. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, obviously we'll be looping back around with that. 
So is there anything else that you'd like to share, Nathan? Because obviously we, we did do a kind of a, a dress rehearsal yesterday of this. Um, and I think we covered a lot of what, you know, what we've sh you've shared today. But I'm just thinking, is there anything else come to mind that I haven't asked you about, but you'd like to, to share? Um, no, I think we covered it all. And I, I just want to end on what you just said there about the cybersecurity community, because it's, it's kind of, it's funny, because when you think about it, you think of people in cybersecurity being kind of gruff and thorny. And, and instead, they're willing to share because when you think about what cybersecurity actually is, it's not something that's done on an individual company basis. It's mm. people that are trying to protect the same kind of information, regardless of what company they're at or what organization or even what role. So collaboration is such a huge part of what they do. And I think mm -hmm. you have to be collaborative by nature. If you look at anything in cybersecurity, there's a lot of value in understanding what's worked for other people and what, what doesn't work. And so they're an incredibly close community of people that, that share a lot of information. And um, mm -hmm. I just, I love being a part of it. And I'm after three of these and, and talking to you know, hundreds, if not thousands of, of security practitioners, there's nowhere I'd rather be. And I'm, I'm going to stay in this for the rest of, um, rest of my career, for sure. Fantastic. Well, it sounds great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Nathan. It's been an absolute pleasure. So uh, Nathan has been here on the Founders on Fire podcast from the Tech Trailblazers. And um, yeah, we're hopefully welcoming you back at some stage in the future to talk about how things have progressed. Thank you very much. Cheers.